0: if I'm in conversations and I feel like the person is tuning out or you know they're not really following me which is fine like I get it not everyone needs to follow me all the time um I really do trail off it's kind of like my own thinking becomes less clear if I feel like you're not clear on it with me and Right, and that is another attachment thing.
1: Welcome to another episode of What It's Like to Be You. I'm Josh Levine, your host. Today, my guest is Sarah. Sarah lives in New York, and she is in grad school on her way to becoming a therapist, almost in her PhD program. And she's also a social self-prez 91937 Trifix. In this conversation, we explored Sarah's 9-7 STEM, swirling, cauldron-esque communication style and we also talk a lot about her positive outlook affect and also sarah gets really vulnerable about sharing some of her attachment stories um, regarding relationships and in particular something i thought was really amazing was the way that sarah explores how she gaslights people unconsciously as a nine and so i think this is really sort of new and fresh territory for attachment types. It's very embarrassing for attachment types to realize the ways that they are accidentally controlling or contributing to the dysfunction of a relationship. And Sarah, um, I think was very courageous in her self-revealing about this stuff. And something else very interesting happened in this conversation around the hour mark, where we got into a little bit of wonky territory conversationally. It was wonky enough that I actually reached out to Sarah after this and invited her to have another conversation. So this is an interview in two parts. First is the interview, which we have in full here. And the second is the interview about the interview, which I will be releasing in about a week or so. So stay tuned for that where we discuss, you'll, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when, you, when we get there. So that's the teaser and without further ado, I am very excited for you to learn from my friend, Sarah. So um I'm thinking I would love to start with your journey at getting typed. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Is that yeah a uh, is that a, a good place for you to start?
0: Yes, for sure. Um Okay. So So actually yes, real quick, we'll set this yeah. up.
1: So your full your full official typing is mm-hmm. social self pres nine wing one nine three seven trifix. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And you had quite a typing journey as I remember.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I think it's really good to, um, be open about this because, you know, I've appreciated so much of what the folks at big hormone Enneagram and Enneagrammer have said about, um, the role or the power of, of the Enneagram in, you know, just self-knowledge self-discovery also, you know, developing empathy for folks who are different than you and understanding the patterns of humanity in general. And, um, you know, it's understandable that a lot of people would relate with four because we want to think of ourselves as different than other people that we see beauty. Maybe not everyone wants to think of themselves this way, but I I certainly think that that's why a lot of nines relate with four, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm different than everyone. Um, no one really understands me, but I see the flawed beauty and everything. And, um, but anyway, yeah. So starting out, you know, my journey was very much, it was, you know, middle of the beginning of the pandemic, let's say early 2021. I was in Uruguay or Uruguay or Uruguay. Um, I had an English teaching job out there, And um, also a long-term relationship out there. And I just felt like very far from my family and like, where was this relationship going and what do I do in life? And I've always um, really enjoyed typology, uh, but none of them have really stuck with me. You know, MBTI didn't really, or Myers-Briggs didn't really stick with me um, until I found objective personality, Ops, right? That that is a whole. Oh, other I didn't know thing, you started
1: right? there. Okay, yeah, you started. Okay, or you, not that you I really started just there, started, but then you kind of, yeah, yeah.
0: totally being, you yeah. know, knowing the folks at Big Hormone Enneagram and Enneagrammer and the Facebook group, everything. I mean, these folks are just voracious for, and and just so open to different tools of understanding, and they have we have like this perspective that every tool has its own power and has its own utility and no one is necessarily better or worse than the other, but just different types resonate with us, including Mm -hmm. astrology, including modern psychology. I mean the quest of understanding yourself and where things come from and why other people do the things that they do is such a noble quest and it's so beautiful. And I love this group for spending and your podcast and everything for spending time. But now I'm just going to stop like, being like, wow, everything is so amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I knew of like Myers-Briggs, like, yeah, you take the test. Or oh, I took the test in high school. Like INFJ bitches. Like, yeah, like, blah, blah, you know, whatever. Um, but then, you know, again, I was in Uruguay, let's say early 2021. I was listening to a YouTuber who I followed and she was just like, oh yeah, I'm Enneagram nine, whatever. And I'm like, Enneagram. What is this? I hadn't really heard of it until I'd say this. I was either late 2020 or early 2021, and so I go researching and I fall into a hole. Like I really, this is really resonating with me. I'm really liking how the different types connect. It doesn't feel as boxy and as separated as Myers Briggs. Um, Even though you know that was just my own conceptualization of Myers Briggs, Uh, but yeah and so I go the first thing I think I am is a two right mm-hmm. I'm like oh mm-hmm. I'm definitely a heart type like yes I have to be um and I knew about you know how the Enneagram organized itself the the body heart mind that was really interesting didn't quite know about the object relations perspective on the triads yet and all of sure. that mm-hmm. um but I was like, oh yeah, I might be a two. And I'm like calling my mom from your way. I'm like, yeah, I'm such a people pleaser. Yeah. Like for sure. Like, oh, like, yeah. And then, you know, I'm calling her and saying that as I'm like baking a cake for someone else, you know? Um, and I'm like, yeah, I must be this. And then a few days later I'm like, but there's a line to four, like what am i for? four? And this was just when I was like feeling more sad for whatever reason that day. I'm like, Oh, like mm-hmm. no one understands me Josh like no one, and and so that day I thought I was a four you know and so then I just gather more tools for like to reaffirm my preferred guess that I was a four right mm-hmm. um and I even joined like this remote group up in I mean most of the folks were in Canada like older wonderful people in their 60s and 70s just like reflecting on the Enneagram and I was the youngest one in the group and they affirmed me that that I was a four we also did some inner child work and stuff like that and it was lovely Mm. I mean whatever Mm -hmm. so I come to Enneagrammer (laughs) yeah and um you know I had found it through Big Hormone Enneagram podcast because I was just looking for more podcasts. I was listening to Enneagram and Coffee, like the Ian Crone podcast, you know. Mm -hmm. And I I was just feeling, you know, I I consider myself spiritual and I'm still working that out. But I had early, you know, experiences with Christianity and Catholicism that kind of made me want to repel a little bit from their podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to see what else was out there. So I come to Big Hormone Enneagram podcast, right? It has like this satanic appearing logo or podcast right. cover. Uh, I'm still trying. I still sometimes look at that. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Um, <laughs> Me too. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get the origin story on that. Um, everyone, all the podcasts are like in all caps. It's like, there's just like sex, sex, sex everywhere. X, sex, mm-hmm. blah. And I'm like, hmm, what is this, right? I'm like, ooh. And so I listened to it. And, you know, if anyone anyone here who's listened to the Big Hormone Enneagram podcast, I mean, it's just like a group of friends talking, which is hard to get into. But then you keep listening and you discover what each voice, like who that person is. And, and then I really enjoyed, you know, listening to it. And then I found um, the Facebook group. And if yeah. anyone wants to go into the Enneagrammer Facebook group and search my little name, um, just search Sarah or like not a four whatever. Um, and uh, you want to see my very first cute little post that I believe is from like January, 2021. It's like, Hey guys, Sarah here. I'm a four. Um, you know, I wanted to activate my line to one and like, Put action and energy into meeting people, so here I am. Um, and so I log <laughs> off, <you're> right? I'm <laughs> so cute. <laughs> and so I log off Facebook and I'm like, okay, I did it. And then a few hours later, I log on and I have like a million notifications. And I'm like, what? People are really active on this Facebook group. You know, Facebook is kind of dead and right. dying in some ways, right? So you, I didn't expect that. And, you know, a bunch of people were commenting on the post being like, oh, just to be clear, there were like
1: over 100 comments on this post, as I remember. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you logged back in the next day and there were that many immediately, but right now there's probably like 127 or something like that. Really? Or something like that. I mean, it's it's a lot. Yeah.
0: You know, and I want that to be something that people look at if if they're struggling with my struggle, like if if we have the same struggle, you know. And um, and also just to be, to be
1: really clear too, like, so you announced that you were a four and then, and then you got pounced on (laughs) and, um, yeah. And so the group basically slapped you around a little bit and said, actually, no, you're not a four -er." and you argued back a little bit too. Right. So that, I just want to set that context.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I, I probably was just like, "What?" like Mm -hmm. my favorite comment though. I don't know who wrote this was. Oh no, honey, you're a ten. Like it was just so sweet. That was that was sweet. Um, But you know, I was just confused, and I was like, okay. But to my like, I hadn't really put the energy into understanding the group's perspective on the Enneagram, which I think is like right now, like the right and the best perspective. I, I know they've had a lot of conversations in Enneagram worlds, like how they're group is kind of like a force that goes against a lot of the evangelical like literature on it. And you know, I've done some look at like Russo Hudson Riso Hudson and other authors in the Enneagram, but I just really appreciate their perspective on it. Um but anyway, you know, and and regardless of whatever, like all these numbers are made up. This this is a tool for understanding different energies and how they coalesce into human beings. Um, but regardless this tool and like being typed as like nine, three, seven has really helped me understand some aspects of myself that I didn't want to understand, you know? Um, Yeah.
1: I have a question for you. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Um, so I, I noticed in your, in your speaking about this, a Mm -hmm. lot of the, the positive hopeful outlook kind of thing, nine, seven, seven going on, Yeah, but also remember that it was kind of, uh annoying it was frustrating it was difficult to go through the experience i mean you actually did get slapped around a lot in that group and totally. it was it was a i mean it was an event right it was like an emotional event, event for you for to get for sure to get retyped for as sure. a nine not a four and my recollection is that you mm-hmm. you 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 fought back a little bit or a lot of it and then and then you sort of disappeared for a while. And then you came back and you and you yeah. posted again that actually you were like, yeah. I'm sorry, everyone. Like, okay, I see it now. Yeah. That was a whole process for you, I think. Yes. And so definitely. I'm curious what, what happened in the in-between. Why did you yeah. decide to give it a second yeah. look?
0: I mean, that's such a great question. Um, yeah, to put it on a timeline for folks, you know, that early post was in, and then I got officially typed in January of 2021, right? That was when I had just gotten back in the States from Uruguay, like five or six months earlier. I just started grad school. I was in a relationship that would end up like being a really terrible relationship. Um, terrible in the sense that there were, were really harmful dynamic between us, Um so that was January, 2021. And then I, I believe I came back with that post in May, 2021, apologizing and saying that I saw things differently in this and that. Um, so that's a good, yeah. So that's a good, you know, four or five months there.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah.
0: Which is not even a lot of time in this process of working with the Enneagram, you know? Um, no, I agree. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. I know you've talked about your own process and everyone else in the group, you know, they've worked years with the Enneagram, um, but yeah, so during that time, this was what it was, you know, I felt like I was being ganged up on, I felt like I was being bullied on a Facebook group, <laughs> right. did not want right. to feel like that. Mm-hmm. I fought back um, in ways that were just like, you know, you can't know me, how could you know me? You know, you don't even know me, <laughs> you know? Yes, all that, yeah. Yeah, definitely some tone policing. Um and there are probably ways that I fought back that I wouldn't be like proud of right now.
1: Um, tone policing, you're saying you're calling yourself out for tone policing. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, just kind okay. of like
0: but at the same yeah. time but at the same time, I think like whenever anyone comes on the Facebook group and they might say something similar or be, you know, it is important to like ask them questions and to not get into that online fighting thing. I think that that can be a downfall for everyone involved. And that just brings vitriol and, and kind of like bad feeling. Um, And not everyone comes back from it like I did in my shining colors. Um, No, Mm -hmm. but um, so during that time, you know, I was just really motivated. I don't know why, maybe it's like my line to three, but also my three fix. I just feel really motivated to Prove that I am competent in some way. Like that has been my entire life. Um, you know, three being a competency type. If you want to trace it back to my entire life as a kid, you know, and we will talk about this later too with some of the topics we have on the docket. But as a kid, you know, I was always taller. I'm, I'm quite tall for um, a woman. I'm like five ten. I was always mm-hmm. taller and, and bigger than everyone. And, you know, um you know i had more fat on me and and in elementary school i was terribly bullied like i was bullied like shit and and you know then when i got 12 or 13 whatever um i had a growth spurt and i thinned down and i remember this one woman this adult saying to me it's like someone stretched you out like a rubber band or you know, my my fourth grade teacher, fifth grade teacher asking me, oh, Sarah, what are your diet tips? Like everyone knows like the early 2000s like diet culture and still like thinness is still revered as like the paradigm of beauty and that's problematic in its own ways. But, you know, I really wanted to hold on to that because the world looked at me differently, very much like in that discourse of the summer I turned pretty. Um,
1: hold on to so what specifically? The... What do you want to hold thin,
0: on to? The thinness, the, thinness, the people. The thinness. Right. I see. The people. Yeah, yeah. The way yeah. people are
1: seeing you now as yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, if if you fit into these boxes for beauty, people know that and they treat you differently, you know. Sure. Um, and so what did I go on to develop? I went on to develop anorexia. For sure. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, that was my way of again, like organizing chaos, nine-wing-one, but very much just trying to be the apple of society's eye, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. being competent in that arena. And I proved to myself I could do it by that growth spurt, right? Like I proved to myself that that could be something that I could do as a kid. You know, I I remember feeling pretty sad and pretty – left out but then you know when i saw that that could be possible for me i held on to it and and not to say like my enneagram journey with with enneagrammer is like me developing anorexia no i mean that's not a perfect uh, comparison but a lot of my life has been okay but i can make myself into your image so let me try like i can do it like i swear like i can do it yeah um so there was definitely some of that coming through of like wanting, because this group seems so cool and everyone knew what they were about and all the things I said before about why I admire the group, I definitely, from an outside perspective, was maybe like, let me join the cool kids. Let me like do that. Let me, but then, okay. you know, yeah. But then obviously like through, you know, your own work with it, through meeting people, through really doing the work, um, that actually starts to become... Like, a lot of the time, the three is thought of as having, like, this, uh, like, it just does, its heart just is outsourced to whatever the society tells, you know, it it should be and what it should be for. But the challenge, a lot of the times for the three, and I've heard you talk about this, Josh, is actually understanding where your values lie, you know, and what is important to you. Um, are we frozen?
1: No, we're not. Uh, this is my listening face. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry we're phase. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I got. I got that. Before. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I want to, I want to jump in here and okay. make a, a couple observations. So first, hmm. it's just the the style of your speaking is so um interesting to watch because it's kind of like it's like it's almost like I experience you as swirling around in like an inner cauldron of associations and they and they sort of like sp- spill out um in this in this kind of swirling connected way <laughs> yeah and it's kind of like you know the topic that we're exploring is your typing journey and we've we've gone to uruguay we've gone to your eating disorder we've gone to um right. it's just there's there's this really fluid um associative way that you kind of pull things together it's this like tapestry totally. you're, you're weaving and there's a lot of individual threads to pull out from that i'm curious to I think the eating disorder is really fascinating and mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of people go through things like that. So I'm curious to mm-hmm. dig into that if you're, if you're willing, Yeah. yeah but totally. just to, just to tie this loose end on the typing journey. So the, you originally thought you were four, you yeah. got typed as a nine and you came back mm-hmm. around to realizing that you're a nine. And by the way, everything I just said about your speaking style is nine-ish, yeah. right? Especially that nine, seven yeah. stem, I think. Nine yeah.
0: Seven. Yeah. 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 And I might add to what you just mm-hmm. said, not sure. only just a nine, but, but a sexual blind nine. I was like, fuck hmm. you all. I was like, I was feeling oh, that, like very much. Yeah.
1: Ah, uh, that contributed to you feeling not seen because oh, it just felt uncool. like a, just uncool. Yeah. Okay. Right.
0: Just like not juicy you know just not anything not interesting which which is which is a myth that you know that podcast talks a lot about yeah anyway
1: right so this is a really interesting point too from in terms of the way that identifying with type four like the psychological function that serves four and nine
0: because
1: Mm -hmm. the idea of Mm -hmm. identifying with a type that all the books basically say i feel i'm special Right. is is a way of nine sort of um localizing themselves or fantasizing about a more located sense of self than they unconsciously really have it's kind of like putting an anchor in something yeah. yes yeah and also there's the sense that i mean i think i think so many nines and just generally attachment types relate to not being seen of there's more to me than you can see there's right. I, I you know, not, not feeling understood and all that kind of stuff and so when when type descriptions of four foreground that as the thing, then it's very easy mm-hmm. to glom onto that. Yes. So, um, so you have this history of an eating disorder, which is mm-hmm. serving the psychological function for you of um, helping you feel in control of your attractiveness. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. And then learning that you're sexual blind, <laughs> on top of that,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right?
1: Um, and yeah. there's something interesting to say there about how beauty standards are kind of more social than sexual, actually. Yes, there, right? And oh. and especially how they're from an attachment point of view, attaching to in a social attachment nine three stem. You've got yes. a world of where you're being, you're absorbing beauty standards and then attempting to be competent in relation to those standards, yes. which is actually a very different right. thing from the sexual instinct, which is uh, trying to distinguish itself and put itself ahead of the sexual competition in its own right. uniqueish way. So, right. so just pinning all that context and let me see if there's anything else I want to pull out of what you just said. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I just want to say from what you just ahead. said shout out to Kaisa from who was at the last uh, live pod. She, I I believe she's sexual first and she was also on your podcast. Um,
1: She's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. She just said something that was like describing the sexual instinct Mm -hmm. and it was something like, and this is to contrast it from beauty as being a social construct, literally. And in this world and also in the Enneagram world, yeah. The sexual instinct is, is not about beauty in that way, but more about finding like the attraction with every single thing. And like the sexual instinct is very much about like accepting your own flavor. She said something like that or appreciating sure. your own flavor or, yeah. you know, regardless of whatever you look like. And I, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, we basically the in terms of the typing journey, discovering your nine and coming to terms of nineness, maybe just if there's anything else there before we move to the topic of fantasy sure um just what what did it what did it expose for you? what did it reveal for you um why are you a nine, not a four? Yeah. Why did you eventually yeah. come around to that and yeah. and then we'll go from there.
0: that's great, thanks for bringing it back there um sure even though I appear to be swirling around it's like very all ordered in my mind, of course, but that's sure. like the disconnect uh, between. Right. And, and okay. yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. That's another thing that is my own self development. Um, but, um, so why am I a nine an attachment type instead of for frustration hexad type, right? Why am I, mm-hmm. you know, in this core yeah. attachment? Um, and so, for folks who are maybe asking themselves the same question, I would really um, advocate or really recommend that you listen to the big hormone Enneagram podcast, specifically episodes on attachment to disconnect. Mm. Um, And then also Josh and um, John's last class on object relations and developmental um, ways of understanding the Enneagram. But, you know, for me, it was really the attachment to disconnect podcast and discourse and object relations that helps me understand why they gave me this typing and why I appeared this way and why perhaps I am, you know, this way. Um, and again, it was in that five month period between January and May where I would, I remember, you know, for a month or two, I avoided the podcast and then I came back to it and tried to kind of like study like what is going on, right? Like I want to be competent in this way. And that's when we got Mm -hmm. into the eating disorder thing just now. Um, but, you know, how they describe attachment to disconnect is really the attachment type trying to figure out where it is, right? Um, so where attachment types, where it is, where they are, right?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, where your relationship partner is or where the, the thing you're attaching right. to is. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that paradigm or that un- way of understanding really just helped me realize how, to use your terms, like spongy, how absorbent I was, how much I would mm-hmm. absorb things and people's energies and the way things are, but not necessarily know why, yet also attaching to it. Mm-hmm. But but then in that not knowing why or maybe confusion or maybe even resentment that I attached so willingly and quickly and not That's even good. willingly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like by accident, Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then in that kind of resentment or confusion, you kind of start to stir up drama maybe, or you like ask questions or you, you try to create conflicts or tone police for, in the case of a nine maybe, or, or you just Mm -hmm. try to throw things out there. You try to disconnect in order to understand or check if it was okay to connect in the first place. Um, John has said this multiple times on the podcast attachment types. They have yes up front, but then no later. Right. And right. Mm-hmm. And hexa types have no up front, but then yes later possibly.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to just quick comment mm-hmm. on the tone policing thing. Cause mm-hmm. it's come up a couple of times. It's, it's a really good, I really like the term, especially yeah. social nine. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, what you're doing is like, hey, I'm trying to attach to you and um, you are now serving the psychological function for me of <clears throat> giving me comfortable, reliable holding, exactly. but when you say things that are irksome or annoying or are not seeing me or whatever, then tone policing comes in. It's like, I'm kind of like a little bit. Passively, like correcting you, you know, yes. so that you can give me the right holding again. And that's nine, yes. one, maybe especially. 100%.
0: Nine yeah. And head, even, j- yes. mm. yeah, even, even yeah. just to concretize that in an example, I mentioned already, you know, during again that five month period of, you know, January May. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, mm. You know, I mentioned that I was in you know a relationship that had a lot of harmful dynamics, and it was very much that it was me attaching to this person. I'm I'm pretty sure this person was a hexad type. I would guess okay. a Kyle, Kyle, a core eight. Um, okay, so, so that would eight, be three eight, six. six three. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah okay. something like that. And I was very much attaching to him, and we shared kind of like this. Um, we're very attracted to each other. Um, maybe there was like awakening of sexual and and just like, you know, melding and all of the things that come with sexual. Um, but he, he fundamentally repulsed me in a lot of ways. We did not share the same beliefs or values about life, about politics, about anything. He thought my friends were dumb. He thought what I did with my life was stupid he would insult me all the time and oh, okay <laughs> you, you know and and that may, maybe we were just not for each other right but in a relationship you know with someone that you choose to be your partner you know there are some things that you have to that you can you know negotiate and maneuver but if you fundamentally do not share the same values like that is going to be a problem that haunts your relationship forever um and and you know th- that relationship was very much me attaching to him because of the attraction and because he was a no before a yes and I was a yes before a no right mm. me wanting to it it was like yeah i pinged everything against it like i organized my life against him so quickly that relationship was very quick right
1: that's a that's an excellent phrase there yeah that you organize yeah. your life around him yeah
0: yes But Mm -hmm. it was the most volatile, hopefully of my life, the most volatile relationship. Mm -hmm. And I became like the uglier side of my nine. And he probably became the uglier side of himself, even though of course everyone has redeeming qualities. Just because it was like, there was this bond that we had, but ultimately that bond was not compatible. And we would find, we knew that on some level, but it was just like the surface attachment to disconnect that I was always trying to do. And then his rejection, his, you know, and me, it was just, yeah, we don't have to get into it, but that very, very much showed for me kind of like that attachment to disconnect of just wanting to find issues of, of just wanting, why did I want to give myself so completely to this person early on, but then resent him for it and not even know why it was happening. Why? Where am I? Like, what are my values? Like, what what is important to me? Um, And so that was a really stressful time. And and maybe, um, you know, through that and listening to Attachment to Disconnect, the object relations, maybe that's why I ultimately came back to the Facebook page in May. And that relationship ended in June. (laughs) Um, Just feeling open to a part of me that I didn't really want to see. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. So that is a really, really vivid example of attachment right there. Just your entire relationship pattern there. And it sounds like, you know, in the last few months of your relationship before it officially Mm -hmm. ended in June, Mm -hmm. that five month period was, it sounds to me like shifts in tectonic shifts in your inner world where certain patterns were causing you to sort of fall apart internally or certain cracks were happening that were introducing Mm -hmm. questions about what am i doing how and and the really what's the right way to put this as a triple attachment type myself (laughs) i experience a lot of grief and embarrassment about how much i've outsourced to other people yes, and how much i I didn't. I haven't. T- I didn't take in various relationships responsibility for my part in it, and how much I just wanted the other person to show up differently for me, without
0: hundred percent
1: really saying anything, or without, or just consistently adapting myself, and always feeling like I could do something more, as opposed to just all that organizing my life around other people. Absolutely, right. And so right. coming to terms with that, it's like wait, all this resentment and anger I felt towards you, I actually now have to take some ownership over. Yes. That's a very difficult thing for attachment types. And so I'm wondering, like, in terms of all the cracks that formed in your inner world, the new Enneagram insights around dis- attachment to disconnect started falling through mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. had a place to land in you.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think that really does dovetail with what I meant when I said um, it made me realize how much of a fantasizer I was. Mm okay yeah Be, and and maybe even more with that like seven wing um because i projected so much of what i wanted to happen with relationships before i even realized like on some level if if we liked each other you know <laughs> if 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 yeah. if there was something more than just attraction or maybe social status some combination of that um right. and you know, in being this person who, you know, wanted to call themselves an empath, wanted to, you know, talk about how sensitive they were and how much they could understand people and make space for people and this and that, which on some level, yeah, I think that's a really cool quality that I have, but I think I became so sure in that with other people that I didn't question it in myself and in my own relationships. And, you know, one of the, so being a body type the body center, one of the core emotions that has been identified in that center is anger, right? And Mm -hmm. anger, not in a way, I I think a lot of the times we're taught to believe that anger is something bad and shouldn't be seen. Mm -hmm. um, And something that will just be destructive and, But no, one of my favorite conceptions of anger, I forgot who said this, but it's a quote that's something like, what is anger but a reminder of your own sacredness?
1: Mm -hmm. Hi, doggie. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Moose Moose agrees. Yeah, no, she's angry too. Moose agrees. (laughs) What is anger but a reminder of your own sacredness, Moose? Um,
0: And in that way, it helps me, and I'm sure others, think of anger as doesn't have to be an outburst like that happens after years of passive aggression. It is asserting your own boundaries. It is being able to say, you know, I want to be open to you. I want to see if this works for me and I want to be there for you. But fundamentally, I cannot do this because it goes against something in me that is a hard no, that is a wall. And being Mm -hmm. able to negotiate with that and find anger, not as, again, an outburst, but as a no, as, as a wall, as I'm not willing to go there. This is not good. Um, and so a lot of that nine and, and, um, this journey has been kind of connecting with that, but also understanding that, you know, the qualities that, you know, we were just talking about in nine, seven or in attachment types, they can lead to their pitfalls, and they have their shadow, which, 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 what, which is what we were just talking about. But they're also they exist because th- there are also so many beautiful and wonderful things about them that help make the world and what and what it is. Fantasy is incredible. Sevens have ideas and powers to go to the abstract and 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 look forward to the future in ways that are just incredible. Um, And so a lot of what this is, I think the Enneagram shows is shadow work, right? Incorporating your shadow and, and so that they're not so starkly contrasted from your light, but that they're combined.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the other things I find so charming about you is that your, (laughs) your, your positive outlook is, is just so (laughs) like here, it's just so foregrounded. It's just like, here it is. And it's like you even in the midst of a conversation that is exploring what I imagine was a very painful experience Hmm. with your ex um, and the embarrassment and the rage and the resentment that 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 accompanies waking up to your own attachment games. Hmm. This, this rosy uh, view comes out and I'm curious if you have words for that, like where, where does that come from? Why? And why is it important? Why is there a way that, what well, the question I wanted to ask was, why is it important yeah. to you to go there? Or like what what, what makes it naturally as you're talking, the words spill out in this positive way?
0: Right. That's a great question. I think there are two major points there. One of them is um, what the instinctual stacking, like social self president what that whole discourse has given me in terms of thinking of why that ha- happens. Um, just really prioritizing like the social, like, the, the general vibe, like I, the vibe needs to be okay. Like people can't worry about me. Like, like I have to be okay. Um, mm. and I think a lot of that too is the nineness, right? Picking up, absorbing everything, all the energies around it. Um, and so it would be overwhelming if, if I just felt like people were walking on eggshells around me all the time, or, feeling like they needed to take care of me or or check up on me or I wasn't okay. Um, but actually, you know, going back to that relationship that happened between that five month period to one of the wake up calls after that, which kind of goes into, why do you feel I need to be so positive all the time, Sarah? Um, one of my dearest friends um, who's become one of my best friends in the past couple of years, I told him after the breakup, right? About all the shit that had gone down in that relationship. And the, you know, he was just like, oh my God, why didn't you tell me in the moment that this was going on? Like, this is, why didn't you just let me know as your friend that he was doing this to you, that you were doing this to each other? Mm. He said to me, he said to me, Sarah, you often, he's so, I love you, Patrick. Patrick, this is, this is for you. He said, I'm going to send him this. He's going to be like, don't send me your woo-woo bullshit. He makes fun of me in the Enneagram all the time. Um, But he said to me, he's like, Sarah, why do you feel a need to, before you deliver some like tough news to someone in your life, why do you feel a need to tie a bow on it and present it like a TED talk? (laughs) He was
1: like,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) he, you know, and he really challenged me in, in, in being vulnerable, actually being like, cause that's like a kind of performative vulnerability where you're like, I went through Mm -hmm. hard things, but it's okay. I have control over it now. Right.
1: Right. There you go. Yeah. Uh,
0: Right. Um, instead of just being like, yeah, like, yeah, friends, like, I don't know what to do. Can, what do you think? Do you think this is something that I should continue? Like really being in that spot and, and he helped me realize, and again, the Enneagram, um, that I wasn't, I was performing, you know, empathy in on a lot of levels, not on every level, but on some levels, I was performing vulnerability on some levels and I yeah. needed to, to be okay with feeling like, you know, I didn't have to take care of myself with everything. I didn't have to clean up everything and that not everything had to be positive. Um, but I think in general too, like I will always be somewhat of an optimist in the sense where I'm like this is life like things have to work like we have to keep going we we just i mean the sun will rise and the sun will set like you just have to keep going um you have to keep going and and a lot of my activism work and kind of like understanding my own work with understanding why the world is the way that it is and, and politics and, and, and history and everything. It's just like, yeah, this, a lot of this shit is really heavy and terrible, but you have to commit yourself to opening up and waking up and, and, and working with it and trying to do the best that you can, because in my mind, it's like that would be a slight to everyone else who kept going if I didn't keep going. Um, And I guess that's that super ego, the nine wing one,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, was just, I just picked up on that. <laughs> Social self-res. Yeah, is really interesting. There's a lot going on there. There's the super ego thing that you just said. There's, yeah. There's the. I was really struck by this. The, it's like a responsibility you feel not to have your inner mess be a burden for other people, yes. or it's almost like there's a sense of um. You're aware of the psychological impact you'll have by sharing the bleeding wound that is like that you're currently like working with and so there's a way that it's like if you've got something like you sustained metaphorically some kind of stab wound and you're bleeding and you're like trying to patch it up Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um you you share a little bit that like yeah you know i'm a little bit in pain but also like you are able to direct um your conversational partner's attention away from the wound yes. and into 100%. a vision of something more hopeful. And um,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, so I imagine there's a lot of, both with both with the responsibility not to have a negative impact on other people and also the superego mm-hmm. thing that you just said of, um, it would be a slight to others who have gone right. on anyway to sort of sit in your own mess or something like that or be too right, but navel just, gazing about your wounds. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. But just to muddle it up a little bit for you so I don't appear to be this completely like, yeah, I don't no one should worry about me. I I can be terrible to people who I feel like will not leave me or 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 who are close to me, you know and and this is something and not yeah. terrible in the sense like i haven't done super terrible things but 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 it, it, super ego jesus christ why is the super ego on me all the time um <laughs> but um you know it, all of the stuff that i didn't wasn't vulnerable and open with with other people who were not like my closest inner circle like my mom or my partner right sure yeah um I would save that all for them and point out all the issues that I had with myself with them. You know what I mean? And and I think a lot of that too is the way in which we're taught to prioritize relationships as family and your romantic partner being number 1, you're supposed to prioritize everything and your romantic partner is supposed to be everything for you. It's supposed to hold you, they're supposed to hold you in the right way, they're supposed to see you in the right way, they're supposed to think with you in the right way. And while it's important that, you know, there's like this person is important for you and it's important that you share again a lot of values and that you care about each other, that you work on the relationship. I mean, depending on what type of relationship you want to have. But also sometimes all of that Social dynamic, if you spend it too much on them, you don't save any with your friends and you you end up having very superficial friendships, right, where it's just like maybe you go out a couple times a month and you just like talk about things. Maybe you joke, but you're not actually holding, taking part in that holding of each other or seeing of each other or calling out, you know, the other person if you think they're doing something wrong or, or they need to, to do mm-hmm. something else. Um, and so I think it's not, it's not like I was always like, oh, no one needs to worry about me, but I would hoard that for the people who I felt were closest and should like be holding me and should, but, but I needed to develop some of that in myself too.
1: David Gray has this awesome phrase about nines. He's like, nines are basically going through the world, trying to pad all the sharp edges of the world for themselves and other people, um, put cushions on things. And, you know, it's interesting. It sounds like what you're saying is you, you do that, you cushion stuff for the relationships that are, I guess I'll just what I'm actually, it's like you do that for the relationships that aren't as close for you, but the ones that are really meaningful and where you've crossed some, threshold of intimacy or closeness right. or something like that then right the you're willing to take the pads off sometimes but then because of the imbalance there's like the pads come off too much or there's a way that yes. um yeah when you take the pads off in an intimate relationship or a very close relationship like the one with your mom it's it's another bid for having them hold you in the right kind of way because they should be doing it. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's classic. Like what is that whole thing? Like, um, like the Freudian concept of not sublimation, but deflection. Right. Like okay. the, the whatever, like let's go back to the 1950s. The husband who works on Madison Avenue and advertising comes home from work. And he had a a rough day at work, and so he's kick, he's taking it out on his dog, and he kicks the dog, right? Mm-hmm. Very much of that variety, um, and a lot of that has taught me too. Like I, I would always be like, as I got as I became older and transitioned into teenage I, adolescence, I guess, and then young adulthood, I kept asking myself, why are my friendships becoming more and more superficial? And it's because I was kind of hoarding letting the pads, you know, be a little bit sharper with my family and with that that intimate relationship. Um, but not with my friends, not like being an active member of my friendship and really just having them to go out with or, you know, to, you know, get a bento box with once a month or something like that. And just get an update on their lives without, without actually, you know, being like. Again, like open with them um, being open to hearing what they thought about situations that wasn't completely advice or or reflections that weren't completely positive, like you go girl, like girl boss, like any of that, um, and also being able to ask them tough questions, like, do you think this relationship is good for you? um, I know that you've had this in the past, you know, I'm not just gonna be like. Yeah, you know, you go girl like whatever brand you know so a lot of it is I think maybe that nine journey of connecting with anger is not only connecting with anger but spreading out that anger to not just your important relationships or to not just yeah. those certain relationships where you go home and kick the dog but with every relationship.
1: That this is tracking to me in a deep way. There's I mean social first nine three which are two very adaptive types
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it's almost like and, and i relate to this um it's almost like there is some film or membrane that someone has to poke their way through um mm-hmm. with you before they enter like real relationship yes. and and beyond the membrane or, like, closer to, like, on your side of the membrane, mm-hmm. then the the full, raw, messy, whatever is here. Um Right. On the other side of the membrane is a pretty clean image of, like, just general positivity and kind of, right. like, the, the vision of, like, yeah, things are great. You're a girl boss. Like, go, you know, <sighs> go, go, girl, go, that kind of stuff. Sure. And... Yeah, I'm thinking about. There's something important about this, other than everything. But in a, in an enneagram sense, there's a sure. there's a concept that is called the security point. and it's like the idea mm-hmm. that you're the way it's traditionally taught. For example, if you're a nine um, in in relationships in which you feel really secure, then yeah. you will access more of your type three. I think it's actually much more complicated than that. There's a certain way that beyond a certain threshold of closeness where you feel that the threat of the person leaving, um, if they see through you or see your mess, is um, significantly lower than with or beyond is like is low. (laughs) Then other parts of you start coming out. Yes. And that's that's a natural that just makes sense to me. Right. Like you're not going to just be <laughs> your radically raw like whatever wounded self or something with just strangers right. or people that you've had like a coffee with and so the closer you get to people there's a certain unfolding or blossoming of the self right that right. comes out on right. un- unva- right. unveil- unveiling of the self right yeah so so what i'm wondering now is that mm the thing that would be at the very center of that blossoming is what it seems to me for you is your no or yeah. your like this isn't working for me and yeah. the reason that a relationship doesn't work for so long and you keep trying to make it work is because it takes it's almost like you don't feel fully safe to to expose your own no or and because it's so right. hidden in the blossoms uh, that are closed, it's like you're not even aware, you're numb to your own no or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's funny. I'm like picturing a flower blossoming and it's like in the middle, just no. <laughs> that's such a funny yeah. image.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> love that. I feel like I've absorbed your 973 energy. I'm talking in all kinds of uh, <laughs> yeah visual metaphors and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Oh, I love that. If we could all just talk in poetry, that would be great. Um, um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's that. I think it's not being in contact with the no. But also that is not just like not being in contact with the no. It's, it's not being in contact with why I would say no in myself based on my own, like what is sure. important to me, right? Um, yeah. But also I think maybe in terms of relationships, I've thought a lot about my seven wing here, right? Where it's like, it's not even just not being in touch with the no or why the no, but also just being like, Oh, this would look so good. This would I I I love how our life looks together. I love how this looks. Mm. Like, you know That's
1: the fantasy right there, right? It's like Yeah. And that does sound like, especially yeah. seven to me, I agree. That seven fix.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, some of that is I love how this looks in terms of maybe because of the social position that they have or the job that they have or the way that they look, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. or maybe I even fantasize about ways in which our life could be like this together or what we'll do together. But that is sometimes it happens so much in my mind, Josh, that I don't even realize what I've thought or what we've actually talked about. Wow. And that is something that I've been trying to reel in 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 many different ways. Um but it's it's that kind of sadness where it's like, you didn't fulfill my vision. I I had a whole vision of how this could go. And it's just not going like that. You know? Mm um and so i think a lot of that too is is connecting with the here and now how things are actually going instead of looking forward at the future um because if not you, you know you're just going to build a house of cards in a lot of ways um and that's really painful for me to connect to because i don't think of myself as a superficial person josh i don't uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know um, yeah. but it's been a lot of that yeah
1: I'm thinking about your use of the word gaslighting and mm-hmm. how it probably relates to what you just said, mm-hmm. where yeah. there's a, there's a certain, and I actually want, I want to hear your words about it, but the, my prompt is it sounds like there is this seven fixed thing going on where you're envisioning a promising vision of a reality. Yeah with a person or just like the seventh thing of like seeing possibilities and being like, Oh, that'd be so cool. But yeah, because you're core nine, um, sort of the fantasy stays at the level of fantasy and doesn't get actualized, um, or even necessarily articulated, um, Hmm. or there's a way that you're sort of maybe waiting or hoping for the environment to fulfill it for you. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, yeah, and can you connect that dot to how you were using the word gaslighting before and what you mean by yeah. it?
0: Yeah, I really like how you're drawing that line kind of like using the Enneagram as a map. Um, if we go with that, maybe the seven idealizing, wanting this and this of the world, the glisten of very much this earring, right? The sparkle, mm-hmm. sparkle. Um, and then the nine you know kind of absorbing that feeling that being buoyed by it right mm-hmm. and then maybe mentioning it but mostly waiting mostly seeing mostly waiting i've done a lot of waiting in relationships which is something that i'm actively with my cute 27 years old i'm i'm trying to be more deliberate about not doing um, not in terms of like not being patient in relationships, but just like communicating better
1: mm-hmm.
0: and being more discerning for myself. Um, even though I, I love to think of myself as such a great communicator, right? You know, loving words, loving language. But, you know, this is the painful part of the Enneagram because it really complicates a lot of the adjectives that you want to give yourself or that people have given you in the past. Kind of like your self-concept. And it really gets to the nitty gritty of what is actually going on. Um, mm-hmm. So that's seven to nine, again, the, the, the sparkle, the nine absorbing it, and then maybe going to the three from there where it's like, if I just do all the right things, if I just look the part, or if I just get the job, or if I just act the way that maybe you want me to act, then maybe I won't actually have to tell you explicitly or maybe I I won't have to do anything explicitly or put that no or put that boundary or say this thing and it'll just manifest and it'll just come into being. Right. But then when it doesn't, it's, 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 you know, that anger comes out. Um, and maybe that's what I meant by gaslighting. I think that term, as we said, gets thrown around so much without real definition, but gaslighting is what it's, 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 really making someone believe, like question their reality. You know, if you go back to where mm-hmm. the term comes from, it's from a movie called Gaslight where like this husband is like turning down, I think the gas on the lights and making it dimmer. And then the wife asked, why is it dimmer? Like, was, why did you turn it down? And him being like, well, it was always this way. It was always turned down. I don't know what you mean. This reality has always been this way. Um, and so I think in there, it's like, but in my mind, it's always been this way, how I thought you were, what I thought we were here together. Um, and of course it's not just, you know, any individual's fault. Every relationship is, takes two to tango. It's, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing, but I think that was definitely my end of it. Um, and it's it's kind of like a little girl. I mean, this is so painful, Josh. It's kind of like a little girl just being like, maybe, 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 and then if I just like do all the right things, maybe, 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 um, without actually coming into your own energy of um, this. Is the only word that's coming to me is 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 saying no. Um, and maybe that doesn't even look like saying no, you know, saying no can look like a lot of things. It can look like just being more honest. It can look like, you know, realizing that, you know, based on your experience, this relationship probably won't go in a way that will be good for both of you. It's not having that scarcity mindset where it's like, well, let me just hang on to this and I'll make it work. And this and that, even though they said this to me, even though they did this, I can just gloss over it, it's fine, it'll be okay. Um, yeah. And just being like, wow, if I really come at myself and other people and the world, you know, and this is such a buzzword right now, but, but from a place of abundance where it's like, there will be enough, you will be able, if you're here and present and honest, with yourself and other people, and with vulnerability, and with your growth, and with your love, and with your care, and you don't try to hide things. I've done a lot of hiding and, and lying, Josh. That I I didn't even know where it came from. Um,
1: Sarah, then I things the will be okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, how are you feeling right now talking about this?
0: <laughs> I feel. Um, I I've been feeling our conversation is kind of like a piece of music like the rhythm and the the harmonies and kind of like the crescendo and the decrescendo like I've been feeling it very much in that way and um really interested in the energy of it um how am I feeling I'm feeling I don't know <laughs> I don't I don't have like yeah. a big word there's an ambulance outside um
1: You want to just yeah, take a breath and Yeah. See how you feel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's it would be good to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It'll be interesting to watch the 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 tape back of The last few minutes because my sense is is that is it true that this is really um is it true that this is vulnerable territory for you to talk about this kind of stuff at this length
0: Hmm. i mean yeah there's a lot in here that stays in in here because i don't really i don't really trust that everyone will be able to hold it or everyone will Mm -hmm. and not everyone should even hold it like that's one of the things that i like about this community of at least we have these terms that we can agree on where it's easier to come to concepts yeah yeah
1: let me say it differently. Something that you said in our last conversation really stood yeah. out to me. Mm. It was that you automatically assume yeah. that other people aren't listening to you. Yeah. And yeah. this is, so this is a dart of the board. You tell me if I'm right. But yeah. um, just not, not at all during our entire conversation, but at a couple of points in our conversation, I wondered if you were feeling that way. Hmm. Or if you were moving into mental territory that was like sort of saying the thing, Yeah. but maybe not really like trusting that there's this conversational space is going to be able to hold it or something like that.
0: So one of the reasons I wanted to have why I was open to this kind of uh, interview was Mm -hmm. because Well, am, are you still hearing me as things? I just I got am, a weird message. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, here, yeah. One of the things, I mean, I, I feel like I trust you. Just just based on, mm-hmm. I mean, we you and I have only met once. but But just by being in this community and seeing the other, you know, interviews that you've done, I mean, I reached out to you because I was like, I really appreciate the ways in which I guess for lack of better word, or maybe this is the best word you hold and you guide and you direct and this is your podcast and you, you know, how to do things. And so I, I never really felt during this conversation that you weren't listening to me, um, or that I wasn't being held in the way that I wanted to, um, because I have that background knowledge of you. Mm. But I think in everyday interactions, what often happens and which is a real point of frustration for me is that I can sense and I didn't know where this was coming from until kind of recently. If I'm in conversations and I feel like the person is tuning out or, you Mm -hmm. know, they're not really following me, which is fine. Like, I get it. Not everyone needs to follow me all the time. Um I really do trail off. It's kind of like my own thinking becomes less clear. Right. If I feel like yeah. you're not clear on it with me. Right. And right, and that is another attachment thing. There you go. But, yeah. Right. That is another mirroring yeah. thing where it's the less you seem to believe, even if you're actually listening to me, but some people don't really give the nonverbal, like, "Uh mm -hmm, mm uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The less you seem to be listening to me, the more, like, the less clearly I think, the less clearly I believe myself. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, and so kind of my antidote to that so far has been giving a shit and knowing exactly what I'm talking about, which means research, which means knowing what you're talking about, which means taking the time to actually believe in things and understand where you stand in them. Right. Um, and that helps me practice in any conversation, whether or not this person, whether or not I feel like this person are, is listening to me, that I can be clear in my thinking.
1: My experience of you right now um, versus like ten minutes ago is that I experience your presence a lot more saturated here
0: hmm.
1: like I experience you as connected to yourself, yeah, yeah um the reason I stopped and asked how you're feeling is because I guess I was feeling that I wasn't sure if you were feeling connected to yourself, and around mm-hmm. the gaslighting conversation,
0: mm-hmm. there were
1: mm-hmm. some pretty powerful things that you were saying about it's like a little girl sort of yeah. hoping and wishing for a certain reality yeah. and then basically attaching to that and then and then the gaslighting thing just so i really understand it i mean i think what you're saying is that you've you've held on to that reality or to that to the fantasy as your own kind of inner reality without actually checking in with reality but then asserting the fantasy onto others as like wait i thought this is what we were doing the whole time yeah yeah
0: yeah it's 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 like that it's something like that mm-hmm. for sure
1: what's happening for you right now
0: i what i'm thinking of This is exactly why one of the things that I admired so much for your podcast of you asking like these questions that are like piercing, but I didn't, of course, anticipate them to happen to me in the way that they're happening right now. (laughs) Sure. Um, my fear in this moment is that I have come off as like inauthentic, Mm, mm -hmm. uh, And one thing that I've been thinking of and um, is how much that leads to a lot of what we were talking about—the resentment, the anger, the embarrassment, the shame in attachment types. Uh huh. Um, but also how that might lead other people to view attachment types as fake or again inauthentic. But how it's really not, it just feels like you're trying to facilitate the human interaction. It just feels like you're just trying to be a social being. And that's painful, right? Because I, I have an image in my head of someone who is an attachment type. You can't really track where they are. There's like, like this, this, this like shine of like this empty smile, uh, uh these vacant eyes, mm-hmm. this like you know, hollow heart. And I think I want to see both the beauty and being able to be flexible like an attachment type and to reflect and to be all of the social things that an attachment type can be. Yeah. I want to admire that and not see that as inauthenticity, but also realize how it can become inauthentic and that can lead to a lot of pain and that can bring a lot of sadness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so And so the inner work, you know, in all the terms we were talking about with the Enneagram, how it allows you to see your patterns, but maybe, maybe it will help prevent you from completely entering into the shadow of them, from completely, you know, becoming the worst possible versions or, you know, Not as good as you can be, not as whole, not as as full of a human being Mm -hmm. as you can be, which also allows you to have fuller relationships, have a fuller existence, probably a much better existence and a much healthier and kind touch on this earth.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah. I want to respond real quick to the authenticity point you're bringing up because... I, so I love what you're saying that it just it just feels like sort of always that you're just trying to facilitate a human interaction. And yes, um, you know the word authenticity is it's a pretty charged word in a lot of ways. Yeah, and there's a potentially a kind of evaluation or judgment in it around you know Mm -hmm. am i being authentic am i not being authentic all that kind of stuff and there's sort of a time and place for it but maybe my what i'm pointing to or what i noticed in you is that there are and this is this is too stark of a polarity to paint but i'll just give you the polls so you have a sense (laughs) like there are moments where you have the um the positive outlook and the and the sort of soothing harmonious nine thing from a place that is really here and like a genuine like i can feel your presence here and like your psychological location is like down in your chest or gut or something like that Mm -hmm. and it still has this flavor of your trifix um and there are other times when I experience the psychological location sort of float up and then sort of out of your head and into like this land up here. Yeah. Um. Maybe it would be fantasy land or whatever, like whatever land it would be. But it's sort of it's as if the center of gravity shifts upward.
0: Right.
1: And, um, and there's a way that what you are saying, um even if the words are the same um have much more power when you're like here like i can feel the impact of them here you know what i'm saying whereas they sort of the power kind of gets dispersed yes from the other point of view yeah
0: yeah i i think that very much that you're talking about the dispersion is the nine seven
1: right oh Um, yeah absolutely
0: and I kind of resent that sometimes, but I understand. Because cause a lot of the time when I'm up there, I'm like really excited. I'm like, I have a whole story to tell you, this and that, this association, blah, blah, blah. you know, uh, a whole thing. But I, you know, have come back down to understand why. It's not even why not everyone wants to go there <laughs> in every single moment of time that I want to go there but also mm-hmm. how sometimes it can make people wary of where I'm actually coming from.
1: Uh, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, or er, the thing about automatically assuming others aren't listening to you is just yeah. so, I mean, that's just so profound to me, that statement. And, yeah. and it strikes me that you tell me if I'm right. Um, it it, it's almost like the way that you stay, in the conversation or in interaction with someone, even though you're assuming that, is by dispersing and going into this upward space, as opposed to yes. really occupying and inhabiting yourself.
0: Ye- Ooh, I really like how you put that. Yes, it, it, it. okay, so you know the word taper? Like it tapers yeah. off. Ooh.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, I like your sound yeah. effect.
0: Ooh, uh-huh. yeah. But yeah. it's going up, yeah,
1: yes, yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, like a backward hmm. zipper, kind of,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you able to track in in any sort of real time where you are in that?
0: <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. so what what generally happens, I think, when I feel like I'm not again being held? This happened the other day, and it was to no fault of anyone, right? Mm -hmm. It's just increasing frustration. It's just um, Mm -hmm. this thing that I want to talk about. I was actually in this conversation trying to talk about the Enneagram with someone who has no background, knowledge in the Enneagram.
1: (laughs) Sure, yes. So I try to define the the terms. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. If yeah.
0: anyone has like a really snappy way to just like talk about <laughs> it, that'd be great.
1: I, I do not, no. <laughs> and the further oh the further down the rabbit hole I go, the, the harder it is for me. I know, yeah.
0: So maybe <laughs> yeah. on some level <laughs> you feel this too. And that's why I feel like you're listening to me in that there, there were some times though where there was a little, I felt a ping of anger, Josh, where mm-hmm. he was, oh. Oh, where you wanted to redirect me. I was like, no, inside. I was like, no, but I understood why you were doing it, and ultimately, me, like, I were in this conversation. It. Yes, <laughs> that
1: makes total sense to me. No, I'm. Gl- I love that you just said that. That's great. Makes yeah. total sense.
0: But, but your but, ang-
1: your anger is welcome here, by the way.
0: <laughs> but it wasn't quite anger. It was just like, oh, okay. I I don't know. But um, ultimately, I saw a reason for it. But. And I followed you and I wanted to, but I think I ultimately brought it back to where I wanted to go in kind of like this sweet, creamy nine way. Um, There you go,
1: yeah. Uh Yeah,
0: there it is. Like, let me just go around your little maze, honey. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Uh, No, just kidding. Um, Uh But uh, what was I saying? What were we talking about?
1: You were talking about being in a conversation with your friend about the Enneagram. Oh, and before that, there was the tapering thing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate
0: that. Yeah, so I was just trying to define my terms and then... Maybe for just some reason, I would, I just assumed that this person would think I was crazy because I believed in this, Mm. um, or that I even spent time on this. And so I was just like, yeah, I just became more general in my words. Right. So I was like, okay, so you have all these nine types and then the object relations and then, but really it's just for understanding humans going up, but, but really humanity has patterns, but really, I don't know. It's just, it's just one thing. It's, it's just one tool. I don't know. It's just one thing. (laughs)
1: That is so excellent as a demonstration. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> yep. Exactly.
0: Exactly. You find yourself doing something kinda um, kind of similar?
1: Let's see. Yeah, actually, I do. Um, hmm. I'm seeing how that lives in me. It's uh <laughs> this is a problem actually that I would love to start working on a solution for, but it's Mm -hmm. because I'm so deep in the Enneagram and because it is, it so much of my worldview um, is flavored by the Enneagram and there's all this terminology now and there's a way that as a social attachment type, I, it's like i it's like, I want someone to be on my same page, but I'm afraid of asking them to do the heavy lifting of like getting in with the terminology, just getting. And so I try to sort of meet them where they're at, build a bridge from my inner world to their inner world. But the bridge is like 90% me going to them and 10% yeah. them coming to me. And, but in yeah. the process of doing that, I feel a little bit like, uh I feel annoyed or frustrated or like, I'm becoming less potent myself because I'm leaving my home territory or something. And right. all kinds of dynamics can result from that. Yeah, it's a really, it's a juicy little spot right there.
0: Right. And even more, you know, you've talked about this in, in your developmental class with the four wing. Maybe there's even some disgust that you are, you know, extending oh, yeah. yourself so much. It's not the people you do. That's
1: good. That's yeah. good. No, that's right. Yes, yeah. you got it. Yeah. So where are we? Where are we? Um
0: Do you know what's happening to me right now, Josh?
1: No, what's happening to you right now?
0: <laughs> I'm feeling pain that this is like ending. I don't know why. I I, I think Oh yes. I, yeah, I think mm. there's a lot of melding that i do and like fusing with things that i do mm-hmm. and when it has to end it's a little painful um yeah because I it just feels yeah because it just feels like i melded with it a lot i don't know um but I anyway love this point. yeah
1: <laughs> i love this point i love this point it's um so yeah that's social that's like social nine finding its local groove in this in this interaction and then um, having to rediscover where you end and where I begin or where you end and the conversation is or something like that.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, something, something. And it happens with most things that I feel like, like with movies or with just really good conversations like this one, it, I don't meld with totally. every conversation, right? But
1: yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah any place that you feel like you meld with you know it just it's a little bit oh but okay yeah
1: i relate actually well as a triple attachment i when i was a kid I, in high school i used to i used to stay way way late at school mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i would have i'd be having conversations with people i'd go and hang out with my physics teacher i'd play basketball nice i was there's like it was a certain it was a certain kind of sadness associated with leaving yeah. And any kind of change is like that for me. Yeah. And I imagine it's a similar thing that you're pointing to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little mini grief.
0: Yeah. No, for sure.
1: Well, on that note, um, this has been really lovely. Thank you for doing yeah. this. And my pleasure. I, um, I really appreciate you being willing to, take my little redirects and stuff and i appreciate that some of them triggered a little mini moment of anger for you and that's totally i'm totally here for that and um yeah i'm curious if you have any other final reflections before we close
0: yeah my only reflection is that at least in the contents of this conversation just because there were different moments of connectedness doesn't mean that any moment was any less real. Mm. Um, Especially for an attachment type. Um, I think that I've talked a lot about not only what I think, but how I think. Yes. I think that your questions at helping me get there were really great in helping me get there. And I hope that You know anyone who's curious in where their thoughts come from not just the seed of their thought but like well that metaphor is failing me anyway um (laughs) something like that yeah
1: cool well um really truly i think of these interviews as a as a kind of act of courage and you're being willing to expose yourself and be at the mercy of my questioning it was really i really appreciate it at so thank you okay, <laughs> okay.